Hey. Well, Pete kicked us off last week in a new mini-series, didn't he? Um, which is called Undivided. Um, and there are about, there are about four in this series. Um, I'm here today to speak on one anothering. Does everybody know what one anothering means? Hmm? 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 What's that? I'm not so sure what one another... What one... What was that, Joe? Oh! Oh, I have confidence all of a sudden. <laughs> Come flying up here. Okay, well, so I'm doing one anothering, and we'll look at that this morning. Um, next week, John's doing hospitality. And he's treating us all to breakfast, except we won't be here, we'll be on holiday. Oh, sorry, John, I didn't... <laughs> no, sorry about that. We had a lovely, a lovely meal at your place the other day, so we won't burden you that again. But John's doing hospitality, and I think that do was, you know, a bit about hospitality, wasn't it? And Steve's going to finish, and he's going to be speaking about dissolving the divides. Um, a concept of church working together as one, as Pete mentioned last week, um, and not sidetracked from that by either individualism or other things which uh, can hinder us from that, that pursuit of God. Um, there are lots of things that come in. And so Steve's going to be dissolving the divides. For those of you who are students of the Bible, um, Paul writing to the Corinthians, the Corinthian church starts it off with dealing with the whole concept of a divided church. And um, like Pete said last week, we, uh, un, you can't have unity, just random unity. There has to be unity, but not any price. And uh, Margaret and I were talking the other day, and um, if only the church in Britain got together, what a force we could be. And it, I, well, I looked out and I said, it's so divided, really, when you think about it. Um, but we need a voice, someone who's going to drag us together. We could pray for a voice to speak to the Christian community, and let's, uh, let's hope that happens. But there's also Evangelical Alliance, which uh, Steve drummed up last week. Have you joined yet? £3 a month? £3.10, is it, something? Can I just encourage you to do that? They have the greatest voice for the Christian community in Parliament, in the, power, in the corridors of power. So let's get behind them. Let's, let's follow that through. So, um, so this is about one anothering today. And um, who wants to move church? I know, I know you love it here. We can't stay here. But there are some people amongst us who really like it here and want to stay here. And Beacon wants to move church, don't we? We want to move church. Well, those who stay want to stay. And there's one thing that's going to help that is the sense of us working together. Working together. Um, individualism plays a large role in that because people have their own thoughts about things sometimes and sometimes they can be unhelpfully introduced. Um, but in a minute, um, when Paul gets up the first video, we're going to have a look at a, um, a little video and it's a bit of a game as well because I want you to be observant when we... When we look at this, it's about four minutes long, so don't get too bored, um, but it's quite important to see it right to the end. But I'll just explain uh, where we're going. 
Um, I'm today going to be talking about one another. We're going to have the video. I'm going to speak in about unhelpful expectations. We're looking at Jesus as the example for the servant in John 13. And I'm going to be talking about an issue of discipline, which is a one anothering thing, not an elder thing or a pastor leader thing. So let's have a look at this video, which um, hopefully the technology will work. You want to move, still want to move church, do you? <laughs> but how do we want to do it? That's the thing. Um, did you see anything that stood out? I'm going to pick out one or two things in a minute. I looked at it two or three times uh, to pick out in an analogous sort of way that can be um, distinctive. Anybody got any contributions? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Working closely, all pulling their weight, uh, as it were. Anything else? Yeah, well done, yeah. Did, was he carrying anything? No. He was carrying the responsibility, yeah. though, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Getting it in the right place. Anything else? Ten people could see where they go. Yeah, that's right. I mean, ten people could see where they're going. When you think of what we've got before us, we're pausing at the moment because we want to know exactly what God wants us to do. Anything else? Anybody see anything else? Pardon? Yeah, they did, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's right, people watching, that's right, yeah. Hard work. Yeah, still want to move? Yes, it's a very good point. If someone was standing, someone was riding. He, he wasn't doing any carrying. He was riding on one of the beams. That's right. Well, a couple of other things you might not have noticed. The guys in the corners couldn't see where they were going. They had just had to do the work. And sometimes, um, not everyone in church will appreciate all the work that's going on behind all around them. It'll be like, I've just got to go with the flow. And that's okay. You've got, that's okay to do that, to go with the flow. Did you see the guy who sneezed and he let go? He wiped himself up and started carrying again. Yeah, the guy who sneezed. And sometimes in the process of things, you know, there are difficulties, but you pick yourself up and go on. Uh, sometimes in life it's like that too. You pick yourself up and we go on. And um, then there was the, the, the guy who was giving, he was steering the building. Okay, uh, um, a part of leadership that sometimes we don't always appreciate is that leadership steers the congregation. And I'll say more, a little bit more about that in a moment. Did you see on the back row, when you saw the back of the building, that some people were walking backwards? Yeah, some people were walking backwards. Sometimes we have to do things, unusual things, to get where we're going. But the fact is they all worked together. As you probably, many of you know, that is the, the Amish community. So I thought I'd just look up and see what, what their statement of faith is. Their statement of faith is, the Amish are orthodox, believing in the Holy Trinity and the deity of Jesus Christ. They believe in one God eternally, existing as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, 
They believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God and died on the cross for the sins of the world. The Amish believe in heaven and hell and in the afterlife. In a sense, their theology is sound. There's some things which are way off beam in their community, we know that. But essentially, their theology is right. And sometimes we who are church, even with our, our right theology all about Jesus, we have to be on the move. And for us, moving church, we need to be on the move. It has to be God's timing and God's purpose in it all. The other thing is, the last picture was of the church turning round. And in a sense, as a church, beacon, we could be turned around by listening to God at the right time, doing his thing. But to take the one anothering bit, their working together was fundamentally important. But just to pick up last week, as Pete spoke about how to be uh, one in spirit in, in the body of Christ. Um, he spoke about individualism, and it does not represent the church as it should rightly be. Choosy, moody, boozy, and doody. He said you can choose the membership level you work at sometimes. You can sort of stay in the background, or you can walk up to the front and get involved. You can choose. So we ought to choose one anothering is about this, isn't it? Working together, all carrying our weight and doing the right thing. Moody, he spoke about people being irritable because they can't do what they want to do and uh, they can't get where they want to be. Boozy, well, leave that one. And doody, those who are trying to manipulate a subculture within the church. Now, I don't think Beacon is like that. I think we are working together and and you need to be encouraged that there's a great heart in Beacon community in one another in every way and every way. Socially and and the way we help one another with meals and the things we do. And so uh, we've looked at that video. Um, I want to go where Bob was the other day and just read again Acts 2, 42. (laughs) To 47. You got your Bible? Or a phone? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, that's the first time and hold all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily. The whole concept of one anothering is doing... is is also doing things together, helping one another. And there's, there are different levels of one anothering. There's the sort of social type, um, uh, you know, one anothering that we can do, helping one another, and hospitality, and all those sorts of things. And um, we, can, we can look at the New Testament, and we can see different people doing different things. We can see 
Um, there, there, there was Joseph of Arimathea who, who laid Jesus in his own new tomb. That was a sort of a one-anothering thing. You know, you, okay, you can have my tomb if you want to. Um, there was Mary who was getting a meal for Jesus and, and, and the rest. She was one-anothering. She was doing those things at a certain level. Um, and there's lots of one, other one-anothering things on the spiritual level where we, we forgive one another, we confess our faults to one another, we love one another, we serve one another. That's at a spiritual level. There's even another level which I'll come to in a moment. And so as we look at that, that passage in Acts, as Acts uh, 42, um, we see the church working together. In the video, we saw the, the guy who was leading or steering the church. And so the first thing I want to just raise about one anothering is unhelpful expectations. What is an unhelpful expectation? Well, here's one, that the pastor leader does it all, says it all, and is expected to be all. We should move on from that thinking and say, what can I do? What can I say? What is my part in this? That is an unhelpful expectation. Many leaders, church leaders today of large churches with celebrity status and even with, not with celebrity status, are falling because they're left to themselves to largely carry the responsibility of the church. So when we look at one anothering, the whole concept of leadership is about that. When you have a plurality of elders, more than one elder, and they work together as a team, they work together. And there's a sense there needs to be harmony between the elders. And happily to say between us three, there is a harmony between the elders. And there's bits of one anothering that goes on within the eldership. There's one anothering goes on at a spiritual level, checking each other and making sure we're not overstepping the mark either morally or behaviourally, or in the things we say. That's one anothering. It's helping each other and working together. But then the eldership, in its plurality, also has to work at a level with the rest of the church. And the problem is that some Christians, they elevate the pastor leader to a level he's not meant to be on. And Steve would not want that. Some people expect Steve to do things that he, we would, as elders, wouldn't expect him to do. So we need, to, I just want to say this while he's not here, because he will do that. Now, these last three weeks he's been away, the speaking church has worked smoothly, and that's what he would want. But brothers and sisters, he organised it. He sorted it all out before he went. Workers and things, so we just need to honour him for that. Let's honour leadership for what it is, but let's honour leader for what it isn't. It's not one man doing all things. And Christians expect, they always visit the pastor if they've got a problem, you know? That's not the way. Yeah, by all means, visit him and talk to him, do those things and go from time to time, but not always. It's not, you should not depend on one person. That's not the church. The church works together, but works in unity. It just works together. So unhelpful expectation. There's an old 
Old Testament example of this, when Israel was defending themselves against an attack from another group of people and seeking to uphold their commission that God gave them to uphold righteousness and do the things that God wanted them, the people who took care of the stuff or the baggage were equally important to those out in the battle. King David said that. Those who don't do so much are just as important as those fighting the battle out there. There's an equal status in church unity, and we ought to see ourselves, each one of us, as important as Steve or the elders and as other. But sometimes we don't. We see ourselves inferior. And in our group this week, that uh, Derek, we, we saw a little video by Derek Prince, and he said he has no time for Christians who belittle themselves. Who we are in Christ is an amazing thing. Such an amazing thing. It's an amazing calling. And we all have to look after our investment. This is our investment. We've not only paid money into it, we paid time into it, and we pray into it. This is our investment. So let's think about unhelpful expectations in one another. The New Testament church modeled body ministry. 1 Corinthians 14.26 What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You know what, brothers and sisters, that's not happening in Beacon Church. I can guarantee you that it's probably the same three, four, six, or how many people that will say something or have something prepared. And as a young man, I used to sit up late watching the television, and uh, I used to go into church on a Sunday morning, and um, I thought, myself, I can't think what to say. I can't even think of a hymn. I can't even think of... I can't even pray. And uh, for me personally, as a gouging out your eye scenario, we got rid of our television, sent it back to where we got it from, and instead I spent time getting ready for Sunday. Now that's not always necessarily appropriate and demanding, but the whole thing is if we fill our minds with rubbish the night before, we're not going to be well prepared for worship and coming together, and the purpose of the church. That's what I did, and that was the way we dealt with it. People used to say to us, well, you ain't got television. Why did you get on without television? We did. Eventually, got it back, because we knew how we could work with it better. But that's the drastic step I had to take. And can I throw out the challenge this morning? Could you be a bit prepared to come into Sunday morning? Maybe it's something you read in the week. You can't always sing a hymn out loud, but congregations did. Someone just stood up and gave a hymn, so, uh, and, and they sung it. And, and someone else got up and said a word, and they gave it. And that's not what was possible in our scenario, but we can work through that and get to the point where everybody's in a place of contributing. And you know the problem with the Corinthian church? They had to stop them because there were too many people getting up, doing it, and participating. Can I throw out the challenge this morning? Speak up, pray up, sing up, because that's the true church.
That's one anothering. And that's another aspect of one person always being the leading and the doing and saying. One anothering. The next example that I want to uh, look at is in Jesus' example, which is in John 13. So if you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn John 13. This is prime, classic, powerful. It's Jesus showing us an example of what it is. Jesus said of himself, the son of man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He came to serve. And this is a dynamic that you build into our lives, into our church, and even within our home life, serving one another, serving husband and wife, serving each other, husband and wife, parents serving their children in that way. The whole idea and the heart of servanthood is powerful and dynamic. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. That's amazing. He loved them in the world, and then he loved them to the end. I love that. Jesus always goes a step further. When he was in the garden praying in Gethsemane, it says he went a step further. And that's the heart of Jesus. I think that's the heart of servant, is it? When you feel you've done all, you say, well, what more can I do? What else can I do? What else can I say? How can I serve? And very often it's the opposite. And I've been in that place too. You know, you sort of linger in the background and say, well, I hope he doesn't ask me or I don't want to do that particularly. I don't think I can do that. Um, but that's the heart, isn't it? This one anothering working together. So verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it round his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you wash my feet? Well, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me, which are quite strong words. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. This example, an act of Jesus, it just comes with so much force and power when we understand the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but 
to serve. In another point, it says he was crushed and beyond recognition. That word has cropped up in that awful tragedy this week for those five men being lost in the submarine. Someone said, well, they would have been reduced to about that size because of the pressure of the water. And that's the same meaning that it is for Jesus. Every life Part of him was drained out of him for the sake of you, for the sake of me. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death. And we see Jesus at work here. Jesus just showing this is what servanthood is about. Serving one another, not being individualistic in my own likes and dislikes, but serving one another. So that's the example of Jesus. We've had unhelpful expectations. We've had the example of Jesus, this one anothering. It's the true heart of one anothering because when Jesus was doing that, he was showing respect for the disciples in a social sense. He was showing that he was honouring them as guests at his table. He was showing them dignity as people. And he was just doing a social norm, which is so detached sometimes from heavenly things. He was in the culture. He was doing something to honour others. You know, our Pakistani friends um, from Pakistan moved out of Herne Bay now. I was so surprised to have a text from her, the lady, Fatima, Happy Father's Day, David. You are just like our father, who take care of us like a father, and who is always so kind and nice with us, and always there to help us in any matter of our life. We are blessed to having you in our life. May God bless you with healthy, happy, and long life. Amen. Let's pray that they come to know Jesus. That's the heart. Ah, the heart of God. So I replied, (laughs) you can't miss that one, the opportunity to witness. Thank you very much for your lovely message. I feel honoured to be your friend with you all, and it obviously means a lot to you, which I'm pleased about. It was Jesus who helped me to understand the Father heart of God, which I pass on where I can. Love you guys. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, but God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. The last thing I want to talk about is in the context of discipline. Now, churches don't normally talk about discipline, do we? Does anybody here want to be disciplined in church? Eh? No. It has happened in Beacon Church before. Um, the whole concept of discipline. But if you turn to Matthew 18, verses 15 to 7, we see another aspect of one anothering. But sometimes we lay the expectation on leaders and other people. Matthew 18, 15 to 20.
If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Issues in church and discipline, the elders do have responsibility for discipline, I'm not saying that, especially themselves. And that happens amongst elders, so that is good. But uh, sometimes we expect the leadership or the elders to do everything. And here's an aspect of one anothering that we might not have thought about, I hadn't thought about, but actually it's dealt with within the body. And love and discipline go hand in hand. I just want to read uh, to you, um, I quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if I can find it. Down here, I did write it on my Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, a Christian uh, living in Nazi Germany, and a very strong Christian, suffered a lot, I think. This is what he said, nothing is so cruel as the tenderness that consigns a sinner to his sin, basically. Nothing is so cruel that consigns a sinner and say, oh, oh, I'm with you. You can't help it. You know, I understand, and we do understand. But the church is about honouring Christ honouring what he did at the cross. And um, for some people who say, well, I was born that way. You know, I was, I was born a thief. I was born this, this way. But I was born a thief. I was born a blasphemer. I was born a, re- a rebel against God. But there comes a point when you have to say, to him, well, what did Christ die for in the end? What did he die for? Sin. He died for my sin. He died to set me free. And it was love that drove him to that. So discipline is an important part of one anothering and happens. And it happens amongst us. But Jesus here tells us a right way to approach it and a right way to do it. Not always possible that way. But that, that little story ends up in another way. It talks about if he, if he, if he doesn't listen to you, then take one or two others along with you. But if that don't work, then pray about it, because where there's two or three gathered in my name, he will hear us. There's another aspect of it. What won't work by confrontation, if you like, is move to prayer. And prayer is so powerful and important in the context of one another, because we're looking after that guy. We're looking after that person, that, that sister, that lady. We're looking after them. 
to draw them back. I didn't finish the quote, did I? There's nothing is so cruel as the tenderness that consigns a sinner to his sin. But nothing can be so compassionate as the rebuke that calls a brother back or a sister from the pathway of sin. I just want to leave you with a little true story. It's sort of wider context of our family. We were party to a conversation the other day and uh, there were wider family members and uh, there was assistant pastor and his wife present and uh, uh, this, this lady and her husband have two small children um, and they went on holiday to Greece. Um, but the schools went back on the Monday and they couldn't get back from Greece on the Tuesday, till the Tuesday. So they both phoned in to work and told a lie. We're not well. Christian, she's a worship leader. What would you do? What would you do in that situation? Would you confront that? Would you deal with it like that? You say that, well, that's only a white lie. Maybe. But um, what would you do? Call me. (laughs) I can't do it, not my church. (laughs) But there you go. It needs to think, are are we caring for each other enough? that we want to pull them up and say, look, what did Jesus die for? Are you honouring him or dishonouring him? That's a, that's a point of one anothering each other, helping us on the pathway. Even in Hebrews it says that the father disciplines his sons. So Christians live in that sort of discipline. But the discipline that we immediately think that it is there is not the whole story of the discipline. We live in a world where we experience the fallenness of our broken world. And God actually disciplines in the way that it should be. Not the naughty, naughty discipline, if you know what I mean. He, he disciplines us through a pathway of correction and understanding so that we get to the right place. So that we don't miss out on what God has for us. So that we get there with power. Not in weakness, he takes us on. So if it's a lie, for example, um, the Holy Spirit can help us with that. He said, well, I'll give you the power to overcome that, just speak the truth. And it works. Different things in my life I've just needed deliverance from. And I help. The Holy Spirit helps us past and beyond those things. But in the context, it's all making for powerful community in the end a power of people as we come together, as we celebrate God's goodness to each one of us. What can I say? What can I do? They're questions we should be asking. And so we do. We're going to move church one day, hopefully soon. That's about the scaffolds downstairs for repairing the lift, if you didn't see it. So that's another hope. But we're a, a redemptive community. We're actually buying back the things God wants for us. 
What are the three important things that God wants to purchase or redeem in church community? Well, the first is forgiveness. Learning how to forgive ourselves, learning how to forgive others. The second one is how do we, how do we drive grace and mercy to each other? How do we see that? Act forgiving, showing mercy. Because these are all New Testament uh, driven things. The New Testament church was faced with these things too. But the last thing, and this is so important, we should be a people of hope. As far as God is concerned, there's no dead end situation. You don't get so far and you say, I can't get beyond that. Oh, you can if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine. God's not going to push us or make us do anything we don't want to do. But God is the God of opportunity. God is the God of open doors. He's even the God of an open heaven. God is the God of a way forward in any situation. Let's praise him and let's follow him and find the power to move on as people of God. Father, thank you so much that Jesus didn't come to this world just as an individual and just to declare his own importance and just to show his own power and just to make his own personality known. He came to make our personality known. And he came to give us life and he came to give us power and he came to give us hope. He gave us to give us a way forward and we celebrate and thank you for that, for all your goodness to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.